Uh, my name is Andrew Perez. This is my wife, Kelsey Perez. Uh, and yeah, we got married in the High Street parking lot. What was it's funny? A, it's a free venue. So. Free venue. If you're looking for a venue, this is not a, a sponsored ad. Yeah. But maybe get married in the back of the High Street parking lot and save a little dough rain me. Plenty of parking spots. Yeah, plenty of parking spots. But yeah, uh, Kelsey and I are missionaries to the Philippines, and we are definitely on a journey that is brand new. Uh, like I said, Kelsey and I have uh, got married in the High Street parking lot. We've only been married for about two and a half years. So some of you guys came here hoping to hear some of the best marriage advice in the world. Or maybe you're like single and you're like, is this missionary dating? Uh, like, uh, do I go to the mission field to find a hubby or a wife? We might disappoint you. Uh, but we'll, we'll share just uh, what little bit of knowledge uh, that we have, which isn't much. But uh, we're, we're hoping to uh, maybe give you guys uh, just... Maybe vision uh, for maybe your life, and hopefully by the end of today, which is awesome what we heard last night, it's a similar theme of what we're talking about today, uh, which is just a life of complete surrender. And that's going to look different for everybody else's life, um, but what would that look like in your life today? Like not for the person sitting next to you, not for the uh, young adult leader that brought you, not for your uh, home church pastor or your family, but what about for you? What would your life look like? If today you lived in complete surrender, uh, and, and that's kind of the aim of, of what we're doing tonight. Kelsey, you want to mention anything before we get into this shindig? Who are my STL people? Anyone? Yeah, STL? Come on. Hey, we'll group you in. We'll group you in. I was born and raised in Missouri. I'm super partial to Missouri, so really any of you from here. We had cashew chicken. Well, we didn't have cashew chicken. I don't Anyone like love cashew, cashew chicken? No. Awesome. Just one for keep that hand down. Nobody else raised it's honestly, it. Honestly, it's not worth the hype. Yeah, it's not good. Well, hey, uh, before we get into things, let's just have a time of prayer. Let's ask God to do something. Kelsey and I, we're just ordinary people. So I, I doubt we're going to say anything that blows your mind. But I believe that we serve a God uh, who can radically transform our lives. So let's ask uh, him to meet us here today. We'll talk for a little bit. We could have some time at the end for Q&A. So if you hear something, strikes up a question, whether it's about maybe relationships, marriage, or missions, save that question for the end. Hopefully we'll have enough time to answer those questions. But let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us so much. You, you've given us an opportunity to take part in what you're doing all around the world. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, as we uh, look at a verse today, but also as we just talk about what it looks like to do worldwide missions, that maybe your Holy Spirit would call some of us to surrender our lives to that. Uh, we know, uh, just as we'll talk about, uh, Father, you call all of us to be a part of the Great Commission in some capacity. So would you help us see more clearly what that role is? Uh, thank you for this time. Thank you for High Street for putting this on and for all of the volunteers uh, who namelessly and selflessly served and have put this on. I pray that you would bless them. Uh, we pray that uh, many people in this room would remember today, maybe as a time where they fully surrendered their life and their future plans to you. Uh, not that they would remember our names, but that you would do something incredible in their lives. We love you. I pray that you would bless this time. We need your help. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first thing we're going to do is we're just going to talk about, man, what, what is missions like? Like, why does missions and marriage, why, why does that deserve a spot on the, the, I guess you could say, the breakout sessions for YA Conf 2022? What in the world is the point? Why do we talk about missions? Why does it seem like the churches that maybe we attend or, or maybe not, why do they have a missions program? 
Why does money from our bank account that we worked hard nine to fives for sometimes go all the way around the world that we never see again? What in the world is the point? So, so I just want to mention a quote for you guys. If you're familiar with a guy named John Piper, he's wrote a lot of incredible books, one of which is called Let the Nations Be Glad. But there is a quote that I think is going to set the stage for us as we talk about missions. And it's, missions exists because worship does not. Missions exist because worship does not. So that means a few things. When we're in heaven, there will be no missionaries. Because everyone there knows about Christ. Everyone there has heard the gospel. Everyone has been transformed by Jesus. So in eternity, there will be no such thing as missions and no such thing as missionaries. So missions is existing in a time period right now that we have for a limited time. So missions exist because worship doesn't. The second thing that it means is that the reason missionaries are going to places all around the world, the reason that people are signing up to leave their comfort, to leave their home, to leave their houses, their jobs, their families is because there are people around the world who do not know the name of Christ. They're not worshiping God, and so we ought to bring the gospel to them. So missions exist because worship does not. But something about the gospel that I think we really need to wrestle with, and this is something I pray that the Holy Spirit is going to drill and drive into your heart by the end of today's breakout session, is the gospel, this is a quote by Carl Henry, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. And I think this is something that maybe we don't think about very often. Maybe missions isn't at the front of our radar because maybe in our heart of hearts we think like somehow they will be saved. Like if a missionary doesn't go there, well, well maybe like God will be gracious enough or maybe that. But the scripture I think is pretty clear. Apart from the gospel, we can't be saved. And so when we're talking about missions, we want to get there as quickly as we can with the appropriate amount of training, with people speaking into our life, with people backing us up with prayer support and financial support because people are dying without the gospel all over the world. But maybe from time to time, that's not something that's in our head. So I think it's something, especially I've been praying, that God would open up our eyes to maybe in a fresh new way. Because that's the reason that people are sacrificing. It's not because, you know, you, you might come back and people are like, oh, look at these missionaries. Let's put their name in the hallway and their, and their, and their face in the hallway. And you're like, wait a second, Andrew, I saw your face in the hallway. Like, that's not the point. The point is because there are people dying all across the world who have never heard the name of Jesus. Does that bother you? And so we were just in a missions conference uh, with this missionary couple called the Quinlins. Mike uh, Quinlan was on stage, and he was sharing a story about his grandparents. His grandparents were actually missionaries to the Philippines, and they got to see one of their very first converts. His name was Oscar or Oscar. And they were going through a difficult time in their life because just recently those, grand, uh, those grandparents, their parents had just passed away. And man, that's enough grievance for anybody, especially when you're all the way across the world to hear back in the States that your, or that your parents died. That's heavy. But Oscar went up to them seeking to comfort them, and he said, don't worry, at least you have hope. Because one day, at least when you guys pass away, you'll get to see your parents in heaven. He said, my, my parents didn't know Jesus. They never had an opportunity to hear the gospel. 
And so his voice began to crack as he was sharing with them, I, I know for certain that my parents are in hell. And so he kind of walked away as he was seeking to comfort them, but really in his own heart, he, he began to be broken. And then he turned back around to say one last thing to them, his eyes full of tears, his voice he could barely speak, and he said, why didn't a missionary come sooner? This is missions, because people, real people, real souls all around the world are passing away every moment. And apart from the gospel, there is no hope. So if we're thinking about, man, what's the purpose of this breakout session? Uh, we have a few different things that we want to do. One, it's a breakout session, so we want to give you guys practical advice that you can apply today. And so uh, one of those things is we have some resources in the back. Maybe if you're like at the end of today, you're like, maybe I just want to entertain the idea of what it would look like to be a missionary. Or, or, or maybe uh, at the end of today, you're like, Andrew, what are the next steps to maybe just praying or giving more? Uh, we want to get those practical things into your hands because we won't have enough time to talk about everything that we desire. But the second purpose is that each of us here today, all of us in this room, if we could get all of the YA conf in here, one, that would be a sweaty mess. But, like, if we could get all of them in here, the desired purpose would be that all of us who would call ourselves believers in Jesus would radically participate in the Great Commission. If you don't quite know what, what that is, we'll cover that very briefly. Um, but that means either you're going to go. You're going to, you know what, I'm going to pack up my life. I don't have very many strings attached here. I am going to go somewhere where the gospel isn't so that maybe I could reach somebody like Oscar's parents before they die. Or maybe your radical participation in the Great Commission is going to be to give like nobody else. Like you're going to work a job or maybe you work an extra job or maybe you don't even have the luxuries that you would desire so that you could give radically to missions so that people could go. And one thing that we all are going to do together, where you're go whether you're going or you're giving, is to radically pray for missionaries and people groups all around the world. Um, and so I want to give my wife just the opportunity to share with you guys, man, what's her story? What's, what's her testimony? How did we get involved in missions? Maybe how did we meet, uh, but also uh, what does that look like for the future of our ministry? Yes, so I had, I did not grow, grow up in church, and I remember the very first time that I heard about missions was actually at a high street missions conference, and I was just an attendee, so I hadn't even accepted Christ as my Savior yet, and I remember coming and hearing, and I couldn't necessarily tell you much about um, who was here or even what countries they represented necessarily, uh, but I do remember hearing similar things to what Andrew has shared already, and just feeling like very uncomfortable. And I don't know, I don't know about you guys, I don't know if you feel uncomfortable, but it death makes me feel very uncomfortable. So when you think about when your your eternity is not secure, it's very like it's very heavy. And that's just something all people share whether or not you're a Christian or not. It's very sad, but how he alluded to it's just like when we have our hope in our faith in Christ and he has saved us, we do have that hope of eternity. And so when you think about these people, I mean, I grew up in Missouri. I honestly never thought about anybody but myself. And so, like, you watch the news maybe or you're online, which back in the day, you know, I'm 28. So uh, 
I didn't even have a phone until I was like a sophomore in college. <laughs> I don't know, but we didn't have like all this like online at the tip of your fingertips. But I remember like the very first time hearing about the 1040 window, which is this portion of the world where the most unreached people live. And there are over 7,000 unreached people groups, which we'll talk about. But to hear that and to think like we, th- we talked about last night with eternity, like is this long and we have this much life, I I literally can't think of something else that would be more worthy to give my life to. But I say that very hesitantly because it's like, sounds really good. Like You're like, yes, I can do that. Like I would totally want to be a part of something that God would use me for like such a big thing. But then you're like, oh, crap, what have I signed up for? Like, this is so scary. And so I remember I came to Christ in college through campus ministry, and I started laboring. I started meeting girls on my college campus. I started sharing the gospel with them. I saw literally so many people come to Christ. And it wasn't because of anything I was doing. It was actually so cool to see how the local church had played this role in these people's lives, maybe for years and years, or different people in their life would sow these little seeds And then I just happened to meet this person, share the gospel with them, and give them an opportunity to respond. Maybe for the first time or maybe just because it was just the right time that the Lord prepared them. So that was so exciting to me. Uh, And I did that for about five years. So the portion of this, talking about marriage, I guess. uh, I was single for way longer than I anticipated. So I didn't date anyone all of college. I didn't date a Christian ever. Uh, So I just had all those previous relationships in high school before Christ. And then I didn't meet Andrew until I was 26 going on 27. Well, I guess 26, yeah. And so I remember meeting him, and I had heard, I guess, murmurings like, oh, yeah, this guy, like, he's going to be a missionary after I met him. But on our first date, which this is, I don't know if I recommend because it's like, whoa, this is crazy. Uh, But on our first date, of course, I asked, like, well, what are you going to do? Like, what do you see yourself doing in five years? You know, whatever those awkward first date questions. And uh, we're sitting at this coffee shop, and it's fine. We're having a great time. And and he, of course, then tells me that he's going to be a missionary to the Philippines. And I say that because it's like you think, oh, I don't want to get too ahead of myself or, like, start to think, like, this is first date, people. We've known each other for, like, two hours. And so it's like I'm thinking, well, But, whoa, like, I need to think about that. And so that was kind of towards the end of the date. And, honestly, I didn't ask a ton of questions. I was just like, well, you know what? I'm doing ministry, and he's doing ministry. And we'll just kind of figure it out. But I've heard before you shouldn't date somebody if they're not willing or if that's not, like, the way that they're going. So, again, though. But you were really into me, so it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so... So I get home from that first date, and you would think I'd be, like, elated because I just, like, got to go on this date with this guy. He was cute, blah, blah, blah. But I, I was like this. I literally had nothing to say to my roommates when I got home. I just kind of had to, like, think for – honestly, I sat in my room for, like, an hour. It just was like, I don't know what to do with this. Because for me, it was the first time that, you know, I had taken all the things I had learned, okay, like – guard my heart. I, I want to be like in prayer for this. And I really felt like I had been given this person at the right time. And I was in a really, really comfortable part of my ministry that I was like loving my job. But this was something new. And all the times I had prayed for the unreached people and prayed for the missionaries to be sent and 
all of these things around world missions, I certainly did not think I was praying for myself to be that person. So when I met Andrew, like even then I was insecure, like so insecure because in my head he had, as we progressed in dating, like hearing his stories and like hearing just his call to ministry, his call to missions, I did not have that. I just had this call to ministry that I felt really passionate about. And I didn't really understand that it was the same. Like we, God wasn't asking me to be like, okay, Kelsey, like, can you go like Philippines, like in the sky, like you're going here. It wasn't like that. It was, you have already said you are going to be willing to do anything I ask you. I mean, that's what I told God. When I got saved, I was like, I don't know what you want me to do, but I will do it. Because what else am I going to do? Like, he he died for me. And I had certainly tried to live my life every other way. And he's never failed me. So I'm like, if he asked me to do anything, I'll do it. Again, though, I just didn't really think it would be this. Like, I just didn't think about it. And so for me, it was just that willingness. And so for you guys in the room, like, I don't know if you are coming in here and you're like, okay, well, I, I've been thinking about missions. Or maybe you're like, I have no clue. Like, and you're all in different seasons. Like, you might be a single person. You might be married. You might have kids. There's so many different things. And you just, this is quite a long process because I'm 28 years old and we're preparing. Like, we're hoping to move in August. But, I mean, when I think about my life, I'm like, if we are there for 40 years, I'm, I'm terrible at math. But, you know, however many years that is, I won't be that old if we're there for 50 years, if we're there for life. Like, it's just so small in comparison to eternity and really the things that we're giving up for what? I mean, really, when you think about it. So, yeah, that's kind of my story. So I think what was really awesome about Kelsey's story is it helps clarify, I think, a lot of the misconceptions of, of missions. It's like, but I don't, I don't know if I'm, like, called. I don't know, like, if I... So we wrestle with that, you know, a four-letter word uh, when potentially we could be using our lives for something incredible. And so when I think of a call, maybe what we're thinking of is like this supernatural, like Old Testament happenstance, like we're walking and Cashew Chicken starts talking to us or something like of that nature. But I think the call is just this. You have the gospel. People around the world don't. Will you sacrifice your life to go? That's the call. If you were waiting for it, here it is. That, that's the call. The call that we're responding to is Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. This is a command of Jesus for us to participate in the Great Commission. And so for all of us sitting here today, if you call yourself a believer in Jesus, we have to in some way participate in the Great Commission. Because if not, we're being disobedient to Jesus. And so the question for us here today is, in which way am I going to radically participate in missions, whether I'm married or whether I'm single, whether I got a job that pays 100K or I'm working a nine to five, you know, minimum wage. We all ought to participate in missions if we're calling us ourselves believers in Jesus. And so maybe even one of the things that you're like, could you provide clarity just on terms? Let's talk about what is a missionary. So a missionary, uh, this is... We sought people much smarter than us after looking through, uh, if you want to just, if you're finding like a biblical thing, just read through the book of Acts. You will clearly see what is a missionary and, and what does a missionary do. But to sum it up, uh, this is a definition that we have. It's kind of long, so if you're writing notes, good luck. The biblical and historical understanding of what a missionary is, 
is identified by somebody sent out by a local church who makes the gospel known to gather, serve, and strengthen local churches across ethnic, linguistic, and geographic divides. So you're like, okay, Andrew, what, what does that mean? That means there's somebody, you ought to belong to a local church. So maybe this is step one for you. If you are, like, are bouncing around from church to church, here, this is just some good advice. Find a church to call home. If it's high street, pour your life into high street until God moves you somewhere else. If it's another church in the area or in another state, belong to that local church. Don't just attend it. Belong to that local church. Serve and love the people there. But a missionary is sent out by a local church, and then their desire is to share the gospel with somebody across some sort of divide. Maybe it's a cultural divide. You can speak the same language, but maybe there's a cultural divide. There's going to be a lot of people in the Philippines that speak English, but we don't see the world in the same way. Either there's a cultural divide, there's a linguistic divide, so that's language, you speak another language, or maybe it's geographic. There must be some sort of divide for us to participate in what we see in the book of Acts, New Testament missions. So you're sent out by this local church sharing the gospel, and the hope that we see is the hope that Paul did. And the reason why we have so many of these letters that have changed people throughout history is because Paul planted churches. Our job should be to share the gospel so that people can gather and there can be local churches gathering all over the world. Now, it looks different, especially in areas uh, where the gospel is illegal, when Christianity is illegal. You're not going to have like a 700-person young adult conference because everybody in the club going to jail. And so you got to do it strategically. But the purpose of a missionary is to be sent out by a local church to cross some sort of divide to share the gospel with the hope of planting local churches all over the world. And you get to partner with that. Maybe you're going to have a church planting missionary or maybe you have a church or maybe you're just going to be like tilling hard soil. Maybe it's going to take you 10 to 15 years to even see your first convert. So maybe you aren't even the one that gets to see the local church start there. But this is what our aim is to be. And so uh, if you're brand new, we don't want to miss this opportunity. You're like, okay, you're a missionary sent out by a church, but what is, what is the gospel? If you weren't here last night, the gospel just is this. Mankind, you and I, everybody in the world, apart from the person as Jesus has sinned. That sin has separated us from God, so much so that we not only don't have a relationship with him, but if we were to die, we would not spend eternity with him because of our sin. So the good news is, is that we, we aren't left there in our sin, but God sent Jesus to die on a cross, bearing the wrath of God that we deserved, so that when we die, we get to offer up Jesus' righteousness instead of our own, because we have none. The good news of the gospel is what saves people, and this is the gospel that we ought to take around the world, because they're putting their hope in so many different things that they think will provide life, but really don't. And we know from Acts 4.12, it says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which you must be saved. The hope of the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is what we're sharing around the world. And so uh, there's one more thing uh, terminology-wise that we want to clarify before we get into the why of missions and exactly how that's accomplished, and that is what's the Great Commission? Uh, there are a lot of statistics done that say that that there are a healthy amount of people attending a church that either have never heard of the Great Commission or just don't really understand what it's about. 
So if you're taking notes or if you have your Bible, you can write down Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you now, I please look at it, maybe when you're done, uh, when we're done here with this breakout. But it, it reads this way. It says, and Jesus, so this is after he has risen from the dead before his ascension. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So specifically, believers in Jesus are to take the gospel, the word in there we saw is nations, uh, but we don't just throw Greek around just because it makes you sound cool, but the Greek word ethne means people groups. So it's not just like the nation of the Philippines, but it, there is a, a people group inside the Philippines called the Hanu'o'o people, who are different maybe than other Filipino tribal groups. And so the purpose of this great commission is not just so that the gospel would go to China or to go to the Philippines or to go to Kenya, but it would be that the gospel goes to every single people group. That's a big task. We're going to give you a statistic uh, that uh, I think Kelsey will, will read for us just in a few moments, but... We don't think the gospel should just go to these countries, but even more so to each people group inside of these countries. And so when we begin to understand that, we understand that the task is large, but to wrap it up near at the end, if you're like a type A personality and you're like, where are we going? Well, we talked about what is missions. We're going to talk about why missions, and then we're going to talk about exactly how. And when we talk about the how, there is an incredible amount of hope because whether you're married, whether you're single, or whether you're searching, it doesn't ride on you. Jesus is going to accomplish what he said will be accomplished. Like we have the end of the story, and we don't just say that in a cliche. The end of the story is Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. Jesus wins. All nations will be represented at the throne. So we don't have to cross our fingers saying, man, I hope the gospel goes to every tribe and every nation, every tongue. We know that it does. Will you or will you not be a part of what Jesus is going to do uh, is the question. And uh, so when we talk about the why of missions, before we get into some statistics that uh, maybe Kelsey heard for the first time when she went to Kaleo, if you're familiar with that, Kelsey can share a, a bit about that. But when we think about the why of missions, let's not overcomplicate it. The why of missions, taking the gospel to different people groups all around the world, the why is, is because when people die apart from responding to the gospel, they go to hell. That, that, it's simple. Let's not overcomplicate it. Like, that's the reason why. We care about souls. We care about people. And there are people across the world, maybe you've never had time to consider, but have little to no access to the gospel at all. And they will live grow up, die, and never hear the name of Jesus. And I wish I could say, but, but at least they will. Scripture is clear. There is no other name, under no other name for which somebody can be saved. So we have to take the gospel there. So there's Afghanistan, like people, the people of Yemen's, Somalians, the Maldives, the Sudanese, the Pakistanis, the Syrians, the Iraqis, these are some of the top people that are the people groups, countries that are unreached with the gospel, and people are dying in these countries by the hundreds of thousands and going to hell. 
Does that bother us? I think it should. And Kelsey can uh, share maybe the first time you heard about unreached people groups and then just kind of some of the, the stats that uh, we know about those unreached people groups. Yes. Yeah, so when I was in college, I was involved with student mobilization, STUMO. And I remember going to this discipleship program called Kaleo. And we did this thing once a week called World Prayer. And this was the first time I ever prayed for really anyone <laughs> other than myself. Like, you know, you just throw up the, Lord, I pray I do well on this test. That's really all my prayer life consisted of because I didn't know Christ personally. And so I went to Galeo as someone who was not saved. I was just like so, I was searching, I was so eager, I was empty. So I remember going to this first world prayer and it was on like a, a cycle where you would go around to each of the different um, groups. We would do the thumbs. So tribal, Hindu, un, unreligious, um, Muslim, and Buddhist. And then there was a group also for like, we would be praying for the people of China or the persecuted church. So it was like thumb C. I don't know. So basically, I remember going, and the first one that we were at was supposed to be the underground church, essentially, praying for China, praying for the persecuted church. And I remember walking in, and they tried to make it, like, really, I guess, how maybe it might be to meet in a church setting there. All the lights were off. They We came in. They gave us, like, a little slip of paper, and it had a Bible, like, a piece of a Bible verse, like a half of a verse on it. And they were like, okay. So each of you have like a little piece and it's like basically makes up like one verse. And this is maybe what it would look like. I mean, just like I have, first of all, no relationship with Christ. I've never prayed for anyone but myself. And now I'm experiencing like thinking about people in another country who are like fighting for their faith. And like that just blew my mind. So I remember hearing about the persecuted church and these people who have little to no access, but the people who have accepted Christ and then are still fighting to be able to have even the, the word of God in their hands and are being persecuted for it. And then I hear about the people who are the unreached, and I'm like, this is really bad news. Like, what are we, what are we going to do? And again, I'm like, what are we? Maybe not me, but what are we going to do, you know? And so I just think it's that personal, like, when you start praying, when you align your heart with the things of God in that way, like, he will change your heart. Because I will say, I did not think in the summer of 2014 that I would be moving literally to the other side of the world. There's no way I could have planned that for myself. And I'm, I mean, still so many insecurities, so many fears, all of those things. But thinking about, I mean, we shared, it's over 7,000 unreached people groups. I actually thought it was only around 700. So the other day, there's 30 unreached people groups in the Philippines still, around 30. And so Andrew and I, our vision is to see all 30 reached before we die. That is an insane task. Like, we will not be doing, like, we will not be able to go individually, but we could certainly through discipleship and raising up national Filipino believers and sending them to these places that maybe, like, we cannot move to because they're, like, Muslim groups that would not be excited about having white people there. But they, they can go, and we can train them and send them. And so when I think about that, I'm like, okay, like, wow, 30 of uh, 700, that's pretty good. And then I reread it and was like, no, this is 7,000 plus. So, like, our 30 people groups is significant, but it's this, I mean, literally, so small in comparison. But those people matter. I mean, they matter to God, and he's just begging for us to be a part, and we get to be a part. So I think that to me is, it's so hard. Again, it's so heavy when you think about, when we talked about in the beginning, like, just death. Like, it's just so hard to think about. But we can play a part and make a difference. So 
that's, yeah, <laughs> it's really heavy. So when we think about the Great Commission, if you're like, man, give me a one-liner. Maybe you like you just like tweeting one-liners. Uh, we have one of these for you. You're welcome. The Great Commission is a command to be obeyed. God is still calling people to surrender to missions like today. This wasn't like a thing of the past. This wasn't like, oh, that was cool for Paul or that was cool for my great-great-grandparents. But like now we just like we don't even have to go. We got the Internet and stuff. Like, no, God is... He is chosen through the Great Commission to accomplish this by using imperfect people like us. But we need to go. So when we talk about the how, so this is everyone in some way, in some fashion, if you call yourself a believer in Jesus, needs to participate in the Great Commission. So this is exactly the how. The first is pretty simple. People must surrender. People must go. If, I mean, just think about Romans 10. If nobody takes the gospel to them, they can't hear it. If they don't hear it, they can't believe in it. And if they don't believe in it, they don't have an eternity with Christ. So I'm grateful that God through holy men has preserved that like in scripture for me because it's so clear. Unless somebody goes and shares the gospel, they can't hear and believe. And if you're, yeah, if you're looking for that, Romans chapter 10, if you're still writing that down, I see people's pens moving. But the first is, how is this going to be accomplished? Well, the first is people must go. People must surrender. Uh, the second is the local church must give. So maybe this is, maybe this is your niche. I don't know if it's niche or niche. Should we take a poll right now? He says niche. And then I heard someone over here say niche. So let's have you guys fight and we'll see. No, I'm just sharing. Um, don't write that down. Uh, but when we're thinking of Man, maybe what's maybe another way, like because of X, Y, or Z, God's not allowing me to, to go and to be a missionary overseas. Then belong to a local church and work heartily at your job so that you can give of your income so that other people can go. All of us in some capacity need to be involved in the Great Commission because this is exactly how God is going to literally have believers from every single people group. It's a task that's too big for us, but it's not too big for God. And so if God's in it, he's going to use imperfect people that are gathering as the local church. So people must surrender. The local church must give. But when I think about, man, the opportunity that we have here, we'll end it this way so that we can have opportunities for some questions if you guys have some. Um, what stage of life, if not the young adult stage of life, it will go? Like, th think about, like, there are so many, the older we get, the more that we gather, the more excuses that we're going to have. Oh, but what about, like, my house or what about my, like, we are in a, a, a stage of life where maybe God has, is strategically presenting you with an opportunity to go because, you, honestly, you could up and move. Is it going to be a sacrifice? Yes. Are you going to miss families? Absolutely. You're going to miss birthdays. You're going to miss uh, kids being born. You're going to miss a lot of things. And that's something that we're factoring in as a married couple. The awesome thing is, is that God has gifted us uh, with a baby. Kelsey's pregnant. And so now that we're thinking, some of you guys, that's the first time you're hearing. You're welcome. Um, go ahead, clap for me. I did that. No, I'm just sharing. Um, but like when we think about this, now our grandkid is going to be away, or our kid is going to be away from their grandparents. Like these are costs that you're going to have to count. But will it be worth it when in heaven you're standing next to somebody in a tribal group that you were able to reach with the gospel? I think it's going to be worth it. There's not one thing that you'll give up here on earth that you will regret in heaven. Not a single thing. Not one thing. 
So it's worth it, but we have to count the cost. And so uh, I think we'll, we'll end it this way. What area of your life will you surrender? Are there things in your life that maybe you're keeping God from having full control? Maybe you've never prayed the prayer, God, I will go wherever you want me to go. I think, maybe you never heard this before, I think that every believer should pray that. God, you have complete control of my life. If you want me to go take the gospel to another people group, I will go. The reality is, you read Acts chapter 13, not everybody will go. God will keep people here. But man, we're going to use our lives to radically support those people who God allows to go. But maybe today you would pray that prayer. That God, we're... Even, even if it's you're up until this point, you're like, I, I would have never thought. I don't want to think missions. Like, that's not for me. God's not calling. Would you at least pray that today? God, would you send me to another people group if that's where you want me to go? So I think that's kind of like the theme that we heard last night. That's really the theme of our breakout, and it's the theme of what God really utilizes in the world evangelism is there are people who are just want to be obedient to Jesus. And I think God will, will use you in a radical way. Um, we have resources in the back that we can, we'll, we'll move to the back once we're finished that we can hand out to you guys. They're basically like, man, I think missions, I could do that. I think I could move. I think I could do that. We're just going to provide you guys with resources where for like one of those things, you could get there in six months if God has so uh, set up your life that way. Or maybe you're looking for a longer, long-term route. We have other options for you as well. We don't, we're not saying BBFI win or nothing. We're just saying we should at least have something for you guys to grab hold right away so that if you're thinking about that, we can get you to the mission field. Um, but yeah, now we'll open up uh, the field for the field, the uh, audience for questions.